this morning I'm going to continue. I will not say I'm going to finish up. I'm going to continue in our journey of we can let go of the old life. This is one topic that the Lord lays in my, laid in my spirit the moment we decided to go in the directions leading us as a church. Helping people to discover and become who God has called them to be. Helping us to discover our rights and privileges in Christ Jesus. And um, I believe that it is actually uh, setting the foundation to help people to discover their true identity in Christ Jesus. I started this uh, um, I've had two sessions previously, and uh, I, I, in my first session, I talked about uh, the, 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 how bad, how destructive sin is to our body, to our mind, to our life. You know, sin, sin looks or feels pleasurable. You know, if sin doesn't feel pleasurable, many of us won't be doing it, right? Uh, but I strongly encourage us to train ourselves to identify sin and to uh, recognize it as death instead of pleasure. You know, I've been, I've been. My wife, you know, introduced me to one uh, with to to uh, uh, a video. I will not call it a series on YouTube, and um, I was watching, and that's because of the nature of our assignment, our, our church. So she she says, "Tunde, come, come and see your the one." When I say the one, we're talking about the uh, the kind of personal people that we believe we are called to our target audience. And when I say target audience, I'm not not in the marketing sense, right? Uh, but we must bear in mind that as a church, we can't be all things to all men, right? And as a, even as a church, we are members of the body of Christ. Now, one of the reasons why there must be no competition among churches is because each church is called to a specific calling in the body of Christ. The graces on each church is different. Now, when Jesus was speaking to the churches in the book of Revelation, you know, Jesus recognized that they should, there's more than one churches and they have different assignments. Right, he did not call anything like competition or or there should be one church. You know, people have this mindset thinking that you know why another church, why another church. Well, as long as the world is not working in unity, as long as the world with the love, the world is not born again, as long as the world is um, they don't recognize God as Father and are giving their life to Christ. We need more churches, but right. good churches, right churches that will not only make convert but lead but but disciple people help people to walk into the unity into the peace into the relationship that god has um planned for 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 mankind you know in milton Keynes, i think there's so many churches milton Keynes is where we are based right there are many churches in milton Keynes. many churches i was surprised when i when i uh, did a google search and i saw a lot of um, churches but when there's a when there's a football match in um in 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 Milton Keynes, the amount, the magnitude, the volume of unsafe people in Milton Keynes is shocking. So, if a pastor is feeling intimidated or feeling uncomfortable because God called me to come, to move from London to Milton Keynes to plant the church, they are looking in the wrong direction because we have a. <laughs> Even in the even in the area I live alone, we have about a thousand homes there, and I can guarantee, even from things that I read on the group chat on the on the Facebook group chat, I can guarantee that fifty percent of the people on that on that chat on this estate are born again. So even at all, I'm even targeting this area alone, which is not my target area, so to say, right? I need a lot of people. I need we even we need a lot of leaders to be able to disciple these people. Don't forget, church is not about convert. Church is not about uh, winning souls and that's it. You no, know, church is about training people, discipling people to disciple one person, one person, one person to disciple them properly to a point whereby they are able to do what God has called them to do. Friends, is work. I know how many hours I spend on a weekly basis talking to people, even after, after even after teaching them 
the word of God on Sunday, they come to Transformers Connect. There are certain things that we just need to kind of trash because it's a lie that has been running in the back end of their mind for many years. And we need many more believers who will be trained, who will be mature, and walk people on the journey. Amen. And that's why, as a pastor, I'm not um, I'm not in a hurry to grow. Uh, I want us to grow, in, even in numbers and impact, as the members of the church family we have right now grow and mature. Because when people come in, I want to be able to assign people to people who can disciple them. We're in a business of discipleship, not in the business of raising combat or making numbers. Amen. And that's why some of you, if you are not part of this church, many of you have been part of churches that you get so many, but you cannot tangibly say or um, boldly say that the church you are attending, you have been discipled. Friends, I've been, I don't know why I'm going this direction, but let's just allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. I've been in churches for years. There was a particular church in London, one of the, one of the moderately big-sized churches in London. Friends, I was more dead spiritually when i was leaving the church than i was before i joined the church i repeat i was more dead spiritually i mean things were so bad to a point that on sunday it's like i should sleep and not wake up until 12 noon. things were so bad i had to i had to preoccupy myself with doing some stuff i don't want to give you tell you what i'm doing so that you don't suspect doing some stuff in the church and one day i said to myself i might be able to occupy myself because i know what this church with all the respect that given to me is death is ungodly is unscriptural and it makes me less spiritually minded. But what about my wife? And I started thinking, then we moved to another church. Even though those ones two are kind of spiritually minded, but there was no sense of discipleship. I didn't even know that God was actually leading me. No, not I was I not I didn't know. I at that time I knew I was running from the Lord. I didn't want to pastor. Amen. So what I'm saying is this: if anybody's having struggles in their mind, why another church? As long as the world is not fully saved, right? We need churches, good churches. And if anyone is having struggle with competition they see among churches, I'm saying to you that the competition you see among churches is as as a result of the fact that people don't know what they are called to. Because each church cannot be, or any church cannot be all things to all men. We are focusing on the fact that God is calling us to help people to identify, to know their rights and privileges in Christ. Some people might be faith, some people might be something else. But we have an assignment here and that is what we choose to focus on. So as I cont- as we started this series, you know, to do this thing that God has called us to do, I talked about sin, the impact of sin, the destructive impact of sin, and then I moved on uh, last week, and then that's where things started getting uh, interesting because the Holy Ghost will not allow me to go too far without calling out some very crucial um, matters in the life of uh, the audience, right? So last week I stopped at James one twenty one to twenty five, and today. I'm hoping to be able to wrap up by talking about the ability inside of you to overcome. The ability to inside of you to overcome those lifestyle, that ungodly lifestyle. The ability to let go of that lifestyle that the sinful nature, the old man, you know, uh, deposited in you. You know, and as just as I was coming in, the Lord asked me to read a particular verse of the scripture. So I don't know how the, how that connects with this, but I'm not going to do that. And as we go together, we'll see what the Lord um, has to say. So let's turn our Bible to Titus 2.11. Titus 2.11. I'm going to be reading the nearly inspired version. NIV UK. <laughs> NIV UK. You can tell people I'll be listening to. I'm going to use the NIV version. Amen. So Titus 2.11. Let's get into this. 
For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. I'll take it again. Uh, Titus 2, 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. So the Bible is saying to us there that the grace of God that many of us are familiar with, right? We say the grace, the grace, there's grace, there's grace. You know, the kind of people that listen to me are people who know about the grace of God, right? Uh, okay, I'm sorry to say this. Sometimes people think I'm one of those preachers that, um, that will condone indiscipline. And, um, okay, choice of words. That will, that will condone and discipline and sinful behavior all in the name of we are under the grace of God. I'm not. I have a few friends who might have issues with me about this because as I, as I tell you about the grace of God, I'm also telling you about the consequences of your sin. Right? I will, I will not talk about the grace without talking about the consequence I mean, of your nonsense. When you do, so I, I was trying to avoid it, but it's come out. Of the nonsense we do. Right? So the grace of God covers us. Yes, when we're under the grace of God, but grace of God does not cover stupidity. It came out eventually. I'll say not the word stupidity. Right. The grace of God does not cover stupidity. I love how Andrew Womack, you know, describes adultery. He said, adultery is stupid. And I was listening, why do Andrew use some very kind of, you know, big words like that to describe sin? And on listening to him for that, he said, he... He used those words to describe it so that his brain, his mind can get it that it is dumb to, it's a dumb thing to commit adultery. Why am I saying this? If we don't train our mind to recognize evil as evil, we will allow anything. Friends, when we're talking about letting go of the whole life, the sinful nature we had in us before we give our life to Christ, Make those to see sin and destructive behavior as normal. And when I say sin, don't think of sexual immorality only. Think about drunkenness, covetousness, throwing other people under the bus, you know, envy, jealousy. James 3.16 says, where there's strife, sorry, when there's envy and strife, it said there's confusion and every evil work. So some people, most of the time, they just focus on sexual immorality as sin. But envious people, when you allow envy in your life and you allow strife, you allow division, you allow competition, you allow misunderstanding in any way, you, any place you are. The Bible says any and every kind of evil work will find expression, manifestation in those settings. Now, one of the reasons why I struggled so much, I didn't want to be a pastor and I think I didn't do well in that because I was rebellious towards God for a long time. And the reason was because of the wickedness I've seen, particularly in African churches, Nigerian churches. The evil I've seen among Dickens, the control, the oppression I've seen in churches is shocking. And I, I never wanted to do this because it's evil that it's so embarrassing to actually say, to share with unbelievers. And it, okay, at some point when I was trying to, okay, you to the Lord. You know, so just, okay, let me go into this pastor thing you'll be talking about, you know, and evidence and things you showed me. And I was a part of a particular church at that time. And um, I was thinking of, of joining, you know, going through their training and joining the pastoral unit. And the Holy Spirit showed me 
pastors, a few pastors in the church, he said, those guys, they will fight you. He showed me those people. He said, these people, they will fight you. And he showed me how, e how much evil is in them and, the and how far they will go to get rid of me and to, and to attack me. So I was doing household. So I moved out of London. I moved down to Milton Kings uh, as long as they didn't mean. Then I, I was hosting, I was doing a housewarming. So I invited some members of that church and some other friends at all as well. So the wife of one of the couple that I visited me was, you know, I was just talking, I was just being myself, you know, I just preach. I mean, it just isn't me. And the woman said, why didn't you preach this in our church? <laughs> and said, you know what? They will not let you fly. What you're saying now, they will. So I think the husband asked that, Sunday, you, they need to hear what you're talking about in our church. And the wife said, they will let you fly. And she, the, just the way the Holy Spirit painted the attack of those pastors was exactly how the wife painted it. And I smiled. So because of the evil I've seen in churches, I don't want to have anything to do with churches. I don't know what direction we're going this morning, but I can see the Lord, I can begin to see the Lord speaking to people, right? We're not, we're not going off track at all. Amen. Like my wife shared with us, Sunday service, you know, you don't know what's going to come at you, right? Uh, but God will be touching things in people's life, right? So, because of all those things I've seen in the church, I didn't want to be part of, I didn't want to be pastor or, or be involved, right? So, and this is say to, as I was saying, I've seen wickedness in church. We are called to the church, to church, to pastor. Some people don't want to in, in, engage with us. Even myself, when, you know, when we came to Milton Keynes before, in, in the course of my struggle with the Lord, you know, I didn't want to be part of any black church. Personally, I do. If the pastor is a black person, I don't want to. Now I find myself in that situation. I'm a black guy pastoring. I'm like, God, you're just going to help me. So if a black man doesn't want to be part of a black church, that and uh, who has been a Christian for about 15 years, that tells you that there's a problem in the black church. Mm. I'm not saying there are no problems in the white church, but we have a lot of controlling issues, control issues in the black church. And the wickedness and ungodliness is shocking. I was once in a place where, Lord, let's be right. Okay. I, I think the Lord speaks to someone. I was once in a place where, um, you know, the way the pastor talked down the church members in the public, I was shocked. I cringed. And I was avoiding this pastor. And I later found out that is the order of the day in this church. That's how he does people. That's how he treats people. And that, and that black pastor was talking to was sharing the church where the pastor called the church the church staff animals. Yeah, said those animals. So you may have had serious problems on those kind of experiences. And one of the things I've shared with you is, that, is the fact that we are, I'm not ignorant of what's going on. But that does not mean that we should stop our work with the Father and with the believers for the saints because of that. Amen. So, continuing from where I stopped, I, when I teach on the grace of God, I talk about the consequence of the of the foolishness of our sins, amen. When we you know, when we practice them, so uh, Titus two eleven says the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. The grace of God offers salvation to all people, not to some people, amen. And it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. So I think this is where the Lord wants me to begin to pick things up. So if the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness, it means that we can say no to ungodliness. Ungodliness is the trait, is the lifestyle of the old man, the sinful nature that we, that we 
that we uh, left behind us, that we lost when we give our life to Christ and when we receive the new nature. So the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. So there's no, there's no such thing as God understands. God does not understand ungodliness. No, God, no, no, God does not understand. I don't know, we can get into this debate in the spirit. God does not understand ungodliness, but he knows that what I'm going through. He does not know, he does not know what you are going through. Mm, because there's a system in place. God loves you, God cares about you. But if you give yourself to evil, you get destroyed. If you cross cause envy, strive, division in the place, you open yourself to demonic attacks. Amen. And I said worldly passions. Uh, last week I talked a lot about um, the movies we watched and we watch and how not me and my family, I mean generally, I mean the 15 rated, 18 rated, X rated, adult. Lord, it's free. Let's do this. So some people, in the ungodliness and the wickedness of their heart, believe that an adult should is free to watch nonsense and they call them adult movies so say for instance we have i think we have we have 12 year old in our midst so the world will say to them and there's some movies that are not meant for you at this age but when you become 18 they are meant for you so basically they are saying to you that now yeah it's okay you, you don't need to watch this one now. but when you're 18 you can open up yourself to all this evil that can destroy your life so what makes adulthood a license and the right and the freedom and gives you the freedom to take in destructive content. So when you see adult, which my mind is my mind, my mind is doing already. When I, when I see 15, what I see is death. Even there's some 12 rated movies now that when I see them, was one of them is Fast and Furious. I think I scored some titles out. And I've never seen it, so I just wanted to, okay, okay. because I was in Bible school one day and somebody in Bible school talked about um, Fast and Furious, blah, blah, blah. I was like, if this person who's a kind of a leader in Bible school could talk about Fast and Furious, maybe something okay for one to watch. And I put on Fast and Furious, age 12. I couldn't go past the first three minutes because I could not see the difference between what I was seeing and if I was in a strip club. Yeah. I know we have kids here, so parents, you explain to them. That's a 12 movie. So the 12-year-old among us, uh, some movies rated 12 are not good for you. They will kill you. They will destroy you. They want to mess up your mind. So parents, I'm a pastor. I can't parent for you. You have to take responsibility to sit down with your children and, and go through what they can watch. Not because you want, and you have to do this lovingly, not because you want to hold them back from watching or prevent them from watching what they should watch, but you know what your children turn out to be in future a lot of it has to do with what their mind has been programmed with. I mean, the things they see. And don't forget that movies have very sharp images, you know, moving images, music content. They make it look so real that it begins to paint what reality should look like in the brain of a person. Amen. So, uh, the Bible tells us here, sorry, oh, not, oh no, did I go? 2.11, right. So, the Bible tells us here, saying, it teaches us to, 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 to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion. So most of the worldly passion that drives us comes from the world. What we're seeing. There's one point in my spirit that I feel the Holy Spirit would add rather I stay on me to the end of the service. And this is about our, comp our company, our association. The, the people, the worldly people among us. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 5, 9 to 11. 
I opened that another 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 device and um I can come back to first to Acts chapter two here. First Corinthians five eleven. Uh, nine to eleven. Now I read. It says, "When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin, or so. This is um, the NLT, or are greedy. So don't look at se sexual sin alone, because sometimes when when some religious Christians talk about think about sin, they're only thinking about sexual sins." He said. Uh, let me take verse 10 again. He said, but I wasn't talking about unbelievers. So what I'm about to read out to you is, is addressed to believers. So but I wasn't talking about I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheats people or worship idols. You would have to you would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer. Hello. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer. You know all these things that we do because somebody calls themselves a pastor or because they're a brother, because they are born again, or they pray in tongues. And we and people who are given to bad habit, bad behavior, they're divisive, they're offensive, they Paul saying to the Bible, I'm not this I didn't like the Bible say not to. You love them. Love them in church. When you come to meetings, that's it. But don't follow them home. I will go as far as not attending their parties. You see, there's, there's, there's a couple I know that they are, they are very, very ungodly. I get very ungodly in, in the way they think. You know, even when you attend their parties, you see what kind of things they do, kind of thing. Now, because I kind of close a little bit of as family, I see them, kind of thing. I go in, and most of the time, I just feel on my own. And <laughs> there's another family I, I, I was attending their, their party, and... Um, you know, when I came in, the first thing they did was they told everybody around that he's a pastor, he's a pastor, he's a pastor, he's a pastor, meet pastor, meet pastor. So to tell the guys, don't do your nonsense to him. I get him around me. And I just sat there in the living room. They were having their own party, but I was there because I had to show face. My wife came around, you know, I had a bubble separately to myself. Not that I created it, but if you want to sit with me, if you want to be sane, you come and sit with me. If you want to be drunk, and do stupid stuff, you need to go to the backyard because that's where the stupidity is happening. But in this area, it is safe. So people wanted to be safe, stayed uh, with me. People who want to do stupid stuff, went to that side. I get to me. So uh, we might find ourselves in situations like that, but we must learn. Somebody asked a question around this last week. But we must learn to uh, you know, manage our relationship. Such families, I don't visit them every Sunday. If, if I have a challenge or something, they're not the next person I'll call. I don't open up my the personal things in me to them. No, I wouldn't do that. Because the Bible tells me not to associate with them. Because the thing is this. Now, God is not trying to separate or divide us from other believers. But the thing is this. 1 Corinthians 15.33 tells us that evil communication corrupts good manners. So if you keep company with ungodly people, it will feel that's true. It will train your mind to think stupid and act stupid. They didn't, they didn't mean, but the best they can give you is of the abundance of their heart, the abundance of the wickedness and the evil in their mind. And the sad thing is that many of such people do not even realize that they have death in them and they're carrying death around them. Amen. So, let's carry on. Uh, verse 10, I'll take it again. It said, but I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. 
you would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer. Who claims? Paul is very good. Because then he says, somebody can claim to be a believer doesn't mean they're a believer. Somebody can claim, I'm a believer, but they are not. The Bible says, by their fruit you shall know them. You see, I've seen some Christians who are so, so, so funny. They, oh, bless you, sir. How are you, sir? You know. Can I say this to you? If your so-called boyfriend, who claims to be spiritual, sees it okay for you to come and spend the weekend in his house, and you know what kind of things you guys do, and you guys come out and laugh and play, and then you are spiritual, you do Bible study, you are ministering to people. If your boyfriend, who claims to be the man of God, a leader in church, condones that, I don't think you've gotten a boyfriend yet. You see all the stupidity that the world is telling us that it's okay, that you can live together before you get married, blah, blah, blah. It's nonsense. It's utter nonsense. I've been, I've been, in, I've been with people that the lady has a house she can stay. She has her own house. The boy has his own house. And then they move in together and they start saying, we want to try. try. Ask somebody a question. They say, you know, we need to know each other. We need to know whether we can live together. So I say, you know, if he does know, if that relationship doesn't work, how many people do you want to try in your life before, before you settle down? Friends, when it comes to the love of God, when it comes to relationship, in God's kingdom, it's not a try and error thing. You have to test the person's character and you have to work with the Holy Ghost. He will release you to marry that person. And I know one particular person is not meant for a particular person. I know that because if God is showing you a particular person, and that person doesn't want to go on that journey with you, I mean, God looks at somebody else, right? So when it comes to our individual life, God is not looking at a particular person to be your spouse. He's thinking about the purpose, his plan, and his purpose for you. And we is ready and available and willing to go on that journey with you to fulfill that purpose. So that's why I don't, I don't agree with the fact that you have a particular person. But God can prepare a person for you, right? For a purpose, then is that left for you if you go, both want to go on that journey? Amen. So, still on what the Bible tells us not to associate with. So, anyone who claims to be a believer, now listen to this, verse 11, yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy, now I get it, or worship idols. So, when we talk about idols in 21st, in 21st century, so, okay, let me, let me, before I talk about idols, now can you see this? So some people can claim to be a believer, but they are not believers based on what the word of God says was there. Some people can claim to be a believer, but they are not because somebody who is an idol worshiper, 50-50 chance is either they are not born again or they are born again, but they are, they are still, they, they still enjoy worshiping idols. So if the Bible says to us there that some people can claim to be believers, but yet have those things in their life, then we are in a serious uh, situation. I don't want to say problem. I don't want to scare you. We are in a serious situation. So it means that not everyone who claims to be a believer or looks spiritual or who can... I'm about to dramatize. Get ready. <clears throat> the Lord is speaking to me. Oh, Holy Spirit. Oh, Father, we thank you. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So not everyone who claims to be spiritual are spiritual. We have the situation. A serious one. And so, you know, when people tell me things like, you know, the leaders in their church are sexually assaulting them, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you get, you get to hear to, you get to know a story because when somebody comes around you and tries to hug you in a kind of from the behind and tries to do something, uh, you should know that uh, next Sunday you should not be in that church. 
if you if you go to city or see your pastor in the, in his office or your pastor in the office, and um, he's throwing suggestive jokes at you and say, "Come and sit down on my lap," um, if you manage to get out of of his office that day, nobody should teach you that. That's the end of your service in that church. Your service is not from, and I'm speaking from heaven. Your your service in that church is no longer required from the following week. You get out. Amen. You get out. So when people come to me and oh, I, I intercept the case, uh, my pastor slept with me, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, are you okay? Are you all right? The first time he started throwing stuff at you, what, what were you doing in the same church? You didn't have anywhere to go. You're not serious. I know there are sensitive issues here, but I'm saying that every believer must, must be bold enough to step out of a place where somebody is controlling and ruling them. God has not called you to bondage. The Bible says that he has called us to freedom. So as I try to wrap up this one before we continue on our journey. Yeah, so <clears throat> verse 11. Did you, did you hear that? If your pastor makes suggestive jokes at you and tell you to come and sit on his lap or say, when are we going to get? He's married. Let, where can we go for dinner? You know, there's a place I know. That moment, you should know that your service is no longer require, required in that church. So if you are in such church today, please share this message with people. If you are in such church today, Today is your last day in that church. I repeat, except you two, you are interested in the pastor. And don't forget, let me scare you a little bit. Whatever you saw, you will look. Let me scare you. And this is just to scare you. Somebody too will come after your husband when you get married. Uh, and somebody screaming. So you don't want that. So you leave that church. Yeah, I know the pastor is handsome. This is a word of knowledge. I mean, this is a very clean word of knowledge. I know the pastor is handsome. I know he's good. See, stop deceiving yourself. Today is the end of your service in that church or in that fellowship. Amen. Because the Bible clearly tells us here that God does not condone that nonsense. Amen. So, verse 11. Um, it said, I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive. Ah, ah. So, a pastor is abusive. A deacon is abusive. A leader of organization of um, of a spiritual environment is abusive, and you stay there. So maybe you have not read the scripture. L let's let's go back one step. Verse eleven at the beginning says, "I meant that you are not capital N O T, not to associate." And the characteristics of the people are abusive. So they oppress you, they molest you, they do a manner of evil to you. They push you in harm's way. Abusive. <laughs> so, if the Bible is saying to us here that we are not to associate with abusive people who claim to be a believer, so what makes you think that God wants you to tolerate abuse in your marriage? Ooh. Is your husband not a believer? Finish, finish that sentence. So, if you're going through abuse in your marriage, you know, people, people say that God hates divorce, blah, 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 and all kind of rubbish that people are saying. Um, <clears throat> it's in the Bible, but if you look at it properly, it was talking about, it, it was more on the, on the context of Christ, talking about God doesn't want us to fall away from Christ. I will talk about that in future. But the Bible doesn't contradict itself. The Bible saying to say that we should not associate someone who is abusive. So if your boyfriend is abusive, and he claims to be a brother in the church. Uh, it's time to 
uh, end the relationship. Or is drunkard or cheats people? <laughs> Listen to this. It's like, do not even eat with such people. Is that bad? Amen. Back to first, uh, Titus 2 11. Uh, let me go. Let me go. So, uh, the grace of God, verse 11 now, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, upright and godly lifestyle in this present age. Not in the age to come. You know, people say things like, you know, when Jesus returns, we'll be delivered from this pressure of sin. We'll be able to live it there. One of the things I've been trying to clarify to each and every one of us since I started this uh, series is the fact that if we are not able to do something, if God has not empowered us to do something, He will not ask us to do it. He's not a wicked father. Why do you think God did not tell God is not telling unbelievers to stop living on godly lifestyle? You will never find a place in the Word of God where God will be speaking to pagans to stop living uh, to, to stop living a sinful lifestyle. To the children of Israel, he told them because they are people of his covenant. He has a covenant with them. He, even he, he, God knew that those guys cannot fulfill the entire. They can't fulfill the covenant. I mean, they can't fulfill all the all the, all the commandment, and that's why he, he made a provision for them, the sacrificial system, so that their sins can be covered for another one year, because no no one human being can fulfill the ten commandments. Because as you're trying to, in their own human strength. And that's why Jesus came to fulfill the entire commandment. So that on your behalf, so that when you receive Christ Jesus, you walk by faith, you walk in the spirit. Because nobody can fulfill the Ten Commandments by nature. Nobody can. Amen. Amen. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So the Bible tells, so God did not tell, God is not saying to unbelievers. He, he didn't ask unbelievers to to stop living sin. That's why he told us to go into the world and preach the gospel to people. God did not say we should go and tell the world to stop sinning. When Jesus came to when Jesus came and told people to stop sinning, he was talking about he was talking to the Jews, the people of God who knew God. The unbelievers don't know God. They are spiritually dead. It ain't your business that you go in the street and be saying stop committing fornication. Stop doing this. Stop. It ain't your business. That's not the business that Jesus sent you. The business Jesus sent you is to tell the people about the goodness and the kindness of God. So if somebody is preaching the gospel by shouting, stop sinning, all you fornicators, you go to hell. And your mind, you're thinking, wow, they are doing a great job. They're not doing a great job. They are doing, they are fulfilling a wrong job description. Such people, you just walk past them. The sad thing is that many of such people, when we went into their lives, my study observation and, um, you know, as a pastor and some, as a Christian, I realized that many of such people actually have a lot of evil stuff going on in their life. Because the thing is this, you cannot focus on sin, on evil, in people's life and think you will not be so conscious of sin yourself. God has not called us to be conscious of sin, but to be conscious of our righteousness, who we are in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. Amen. So it ain't our business to go, on, to go on the street to tell people to stop sinning. Our business is to go and tell people about the love of God, the kindness of God. When the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery was brought to Jesus, what Jesus did not tell her first to stop sinning. He said, I have not condemned you. Go and sin no more. See, there's a condemnation in the heart and the mind of many unbelievers. And that's why you see when they do all those parades, all those, all those campaigns, all those things. See, the thing is this. 
it is in their inner consciousness that what they are doing is not correct. And that's why they would try to find a lot of people to justify what the condemnation they had. See, God has trained me not to go by what people say and what, what people say. God has trained me to be to look beyond what people say and how they look. To know the content, to discern the content of your heart. Many people look good and everything is fine. <laughs> if, if, you live, if you live on Instagram, you're, if you live on Instagram and Instagram is your reality, you are very deceived. Because many people look smiley, dovey, on point kind of thing. But it's not true. And it's what Instagram I heard and even Facebook. I heard is one of the reasons why I'm a lot of people are miserable because they look at people's lifestyle and it seems like everybody have it all all together, but their life is not all together. So some people too to look at to, to make their life look all together, so they start doing things to paint an image. One day we're gonna be talking about image. You might spend six weeks on that one. Because the wicked, the enemy and the world has so much deceive us to think and everything is an image. No. So as I begin to just lay the case, lay the foundation of the fact that you can let go of that whole life. I feel I be I feel in my heart that the Lord is giving me this particular verse because just before I came in, as I was just coming, Titus two eleven. I was like, really? I get it's saying to you that the grace of God, the grace of our Lord Christ Jesus that we talk about, you know, has appeared to all you know that uh, as appeared that after that another version says has appeared to all men and that offers salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. And worldly passions. So each time we're tempted to do some stuff, you know, to do some crazy stuff, the Bible is saying to us that the grace of God upon our life, in our as work in our life, is teaching us to what to say no. And the premise of this, I believe, is this: if you are not able to say no, God will not ask you to say no. So I'm, I'm, I believe I'm gradually get, I'm gradually getting there to say you can let go of the whole life. Because the grace of God has appeared to you. The salvation of God has come to you to empower you to say no. You can say no. Say I can say no. Say I can say no. So based on what I'm talking about now and what I've taught in the past two weeks, when I put them together, you realize that, yes, you can say no. Because the Bible tells us that if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. All things are past away and all things are becoming new. That sinful nature is gone. That old man is gone. So what is left, which is your soul, the state of your mind that is configured or programmed to do evil. The Bible is saying that the grace of, of that brings that salvation to you, Christ Jesus, is teaching you to say no. And if he's teaching you to say no, you better know how to recognize his teachings so that you can say no. So it's not enough for you to know that he's still teaching you to say no, but you must... You to that no. Friends, your body is not stronger than your spirit. So I'm just trying to kind of like, you know, let me make it very light. Your body is not stronger than your spirit. Your, the spirit man inside of you is very powerful. The Holy Spirit dwells in you is a spirit of might. You are the one who should train your soul to conform, to, to obey your spirit man. Amen. To obey your spirit man because that grace of God is in your spirit. And it's teaching you to say no to ungodly, ungodliness, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Okay, just to kind of prepare us for uh, next week, uh, Ephesians 4, 17, uh, Ephesians 4, verse 
let me quickly read verse 20 i read 20 to 22 but next week i'm going to look start from verse 17. now it says but this is not the way okay you know i got one minute let's read it through it i'll emphasize 22 i will shut down is that okay Ephesians 4 17 to 24. so with the wisdom given to me from the lord i say you should not live like the unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions oh my goodness when i start next week oh this is gonna be exciting right their corrupted logic has been clouded this is the tpt the passion translations their corrupted logic has clouded sorry their corrupted logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from god they are they are blinded understanding their blind understanding and deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from the true knowledge of God. Next week, get ready. This is just this time. Because of spiritual apathy, they surrender themselves to lewdness, impurity, and sexual obsession. But this is not the way of life that Christ has unfolded within you. Hey, did he say within you? Did we see something in Titus 2? Within you. Right? If you have really experienced the anointed one and had his truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. Hey! Oh, I, can't, I can't wait to get into this. Now, the reality is in Jesus, not in those crap that you see on, on TV. Verse 22. And he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man. That's where the title of this message came from. Gun, gun. <laughs> because some people are thinking, hey, hey, okay, where is the scriptural verse from? Everything he's been teaching, just to help you a little bit see this, and then next we get into this. And he has taught you, and he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle. So other other translation renders it. He has taught you to let go of the whole life. So the the of okay, of the lifestyle of the ancient man. The whole self-life, which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from delusions. I'll show you there. So we have an exciting time to look forward to next week. It's going to be so exciting. This was just, uh, this is, today's message is from the Lord, right? The message I have for you guys by the Lord too is coming next week, right? So thank you guys. We look forward to connecting with you in um, Transformers Connect on Wednesday. Um, if you are not joined, please go on the... Where should they go? You can go on our Facebook page. I think Instagram as well. We have a, we have a flyer there about Join Transformers Connect. So you can, if you'd like to be part of this, a 10-week um, session where we, we, we treat selected topics. And the aim is to empower you to be, to be able to live a Christian life in a practical way. So it's a forum where people talk. Uh, a few times, you know, when I see some things that need to be clarified, I jump in, I clarify. Uh, but it's, it's actually set up to help the audience to, to share what they know. And it reveals to people what they think they know. And when they hear from other people, people are more blessed. All right. So uh, we need more people to come with their, you know, with their insight on, those, on that platform to learn so go on Facebook, go on YouTube, uh, go on Facebook, go on Instagram. I think we also have a video on YouTube as well. So this, we find a thumbnail. Next, next week, I'm going to put the thumbnail on the screen on there so that we can show people, so that you can recognize when you see it. You see me sitting down and next to me is uh, 
join transformers canal please uh register on eventbrite and um let's let's have you on wednesday so my wife and i will be online at seven on wednesday to do catch up a few things from here i will i will call out uh, I'm happy to hear, I was happy to hear the feedback from the catch-up last week. Someone said they kept listening to it over and over and over because it was what they needed. Uh, you know, all of this helps me to know that I'm not joking here. I'm not, I'm not playing here. I'm probably do, I'm doing something that is affecting lives. But you need to enjoy that catch-up while it lasts because at some point, uh, we're bringing in a new, um, a new initiative that will help us to help people much more to discover and become who God has called them to be. Thank you guys. Enjoy the rest of your day and have a blessed week.